Well, welcome to this week's episode of Relaunch My Life Radio. And this week I got to interview a very special guest. Her name is Grace Toll. And even though she's only in her late 20s, early 30s, I don't know her exact age, but I know she's a little younger than me. She's actually been a mother to over 14 children. How? Through foster care. And I have been so inspired by Grace's journey the past three years since delving into the line of life of being a foster carer. And I just had to ask her some questions. I was so curious to find out how much she's changed her life, what she's learned, and the reasons behind why foster care has been the right decision for her. Welcome to Relaunch My Life Radio. I'm your host, Juliet Lever. And a few years ago, I personally relaunched my own life from being a workaholic, alcoholic, and chocoholic to now living a life of my own design. I'm on a mission to free you from an unfulfilling job or passionless life. And so with 10-minute tips and 30-minute interviews and stories to tune into, tune into Relaunch My Life Radio to discover your highest potential and feel inspired to live a life of zero regrets. If you want more, be sure to hit subscribe and visit us at www.relaunchmyliferadio.com for more. Well, I'm absolutely excited to be sitting down here today with beautiful Grace Toll, who is going to be sharing with us her journey and what she's really been working on the last few years in terms of really being able to be a mother to so many children in this world through her, um, her, her ability to provide foster care for children who are in that, um, that, that need in that area. So, Grace, I'm so excited to have a chat with you and just sort of delve into the why and the how and, and talk a little bit about this different um, side of parenting that you've really taken on. How are you today? Good, thank you. I'm excited to talk about it. I think it's something that a lot of people are curious about and that there's not a lot of information out there about. So it's good always to spread the word. Totally. I totally agree. So for our listeners that don't really know much about you, um, can you just share with this with us a bit about what you do? And, and, and we're obviously going to get into it in a lot more depth in this interview, but tell us a bit about you know, your life right now. What's a typical day in the life for you and, and what's your current reality? Okay, <laughs> well, the current reality. So at the moment at home, I have an eight-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. So the two young ones are boys. So the current reality is pretty chaotic. We get up very early in the morning and we make a lot of mess and noise. Um, but that's three years, three years in the making, three years of foster care. So uh, to me, the noise and the chaos is pretty comfortable now. Mm. And so you've had uh, your, your eight-year-old daughter now for a few years, have you? Yes, uh, just about three years. Three years, beautiful. And then the, the boys, how long have you had them now? Uh, one since he was the one and a half year old I've had since he was 10 weeks old and the three-year-old has been in my care for eight months. Wow. And so um, how, like over the last few years, you've obviously fostered a lot of children now. I think you mentioned it was up to 14 children that you've had in your care at this time. So how do you, how do you balance the, the fact that you're caring for them and so connected, but then also knowing that at any time that can change and, and you have to sort of let them go as well? How do you manage that? I would imagine that would be quite challenging emotionally. 
It is. It's a huge challenge. That's probably the hardest part of foster care. Um, when you get into foster care, you make a decision on doing emergency, short-term, long-term or respite care. So you do have some idea going in how long a child will be in your care yeah. um, and, and what you're signing up for. So it does give you some time to mentally prepare, but as much as you mentally prepare for a child to leave and reunify back with their family or parents, uh, the emotional side of it can be quite challenging. But there's a lot of training that you go through before you become a foster carer that helps prepare for that as well and a lot of support for when you do go through that part of it. Mm. That's good. And so you really, I mean, this, how long ago did you decide that you wanted to provide foster care? It's something I had always thought about. I initially wanted to adopt when I was younger, um, but looking into that when I was only 18, 19 and realising how difficult that is to do in Australia, um, I sort of just put that idea on the back burner and then one day came across a foster care um, it was like a stall set up at a festival and I took the information from there and, and went with it, signed up a week later. Um, so it is something I had always thought about. It was always in the back of my mind. I always was naturally probably more of a nurturing person having two little brothers and having had a trip to Ethiopia for three months and working in an orphanage. And there was little things along the way in my life that really made it clear for me that helping children who don't have a mum was something that I would rather do than have biological children. Mm, and so you, like health-wise, you can have biological children, but you've chosen to foster? Yes. Yep, yep. As far as I know, health-wise, I'm all good. But um, for me, I've always been a bit of a empathetic person and it's difficult for me to see things go on in the world that need help and do nothing about it. Yep. And I wanted to do something more purposeful, with my life and I like a challenge and foster care fit in with all of that. Mm. So, you know, the, this, the reason I felt like this is a really interesting topic to open up and encourage some more conversation about is I meet a lot of women, I guess, in our age group or early even to mid thirties who are trying to conceive and going down the IVF route and spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars as well on that. And so, um, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on then the difference between fostering? I mean, I guess it's not, um, potentially the long-term option, as you've mentioned, adoption is quite a challenging road to go down in Australia. Why is that? Why is adoption such a challenge here? Uh, I think um, there is such a big pull here for children to be reunited with their families and kept with their family, biological family, which I think is vital. That's something that as a foster carer I've come to understand is so important. Mm. And um, even with my children who are along long-term orders even that means they will be with me until 18 or whenever they want to move out one day um they still have a strong connection with their biological family where possible so uh it's as close to adoption as you'll get um but as far as overseas adoptions international adoptions I know that's very difficult within Australia as well yeah yeah and so you know it do does it feel like to you I mean I know you haven't had any sort of biological children but to you does it feel like they're not your children like does it feel any different I guess is what I'm asking you in terms of yeah well that's a good question I have thought a lot about this because people do people who have trouble conceiving have asked me these questions before and I think the difference is uh, day to day I don't feel a difference because my childhood I've had from 10 weeks old um he 
unfortunately doesn't have a connection with his biological family. So he doesn't have any family visits. And so my biological family have become his family and he's day to day. I'm his mum, he's my son and, and that's all there is to it. Uh, I do have to seek permissions from social workers. So that's the time where you sort of get reminded that you're not in total control of that child's life. You don't have the power to make some decisions. But other than that, day to day at home, I'm changing the nappies, I'm up all night with him, I'm doing all the mum things. Mm. Um, But my other two children who see their family monthly, uh, in those cases, you take on a family as well as a child. So it doesn't so much feel like this is my child and I can do whatever I like and go on holidays and change their hair and all that sort of thing. They, there is permissions that need to be seeked from the biological family. But I have a really good relationship with my daughter's biological family and I really enjoy that and that's opened my life to a whole extra family for me as well. And I love seeing her combine my world and her biological family's world together and now it feels like as a community we raise her so she in a way it definitely feels like she's still my child but I've got a community of people helping me raise her Mm, that's so beautiful that's you know and I would imagine initially kind of maneuvering that role and building and forming that relationship with the the other families would be really you know you need me to need to be very mindful but it um yeah that makes a lot of sense and it's beautiful to understand I suppose the inner workings of the system and know that there is so much consideration and support and of course the you know the permission for certain things as well to protect the children and um and yeah it's it's just Mm. wonderful for me to know that someone like you is is doing this and and providing this for people who children who are in need out there I just yeah it's absolutely incredible and so the the challenges then what sort of challenges aside from I guess the emotional side of um the the you know having to give the children back that you've needed to over the last few years but what other sort of challenges have you really found in this process uh well definitely the behavioral challenges that comes with the children uh a lot of them have been ripped from their life really um and very quickly Mm-hmm. And everything that they have known up until then has completely changed. So they're taken from their home, from their family who they love. And I think something that people don't realise is even if they come from caregivers who have been maybe abusive or unsafe, put them in dangerous positions, to a child, that's still their parents that they love and that's all they know. Mm. So for us as adults, we think, oh, well, this child will be happy to be here. You know, they've got... The f- all these food they've got a nice tv they've got nice clothes but they have been taken from what they know so they're still not feeling good and those behaviors all come out so you get a lot of behaviors behavioral challenges in the first few months up to the first year years even um but that's where the training comes in before you become a foster carer and there is a lot of ongoing training available to you at no cost um and you really can help the children get through those behaviours, get through the emotions and the meltdowns um, and how that trauma has impacted on their brain development. You're working through all of that with them on a daily basis and it's the biggest challenge, but it's very, very rewarding to see them change over that time. 
Of course. And I suppose your background and your, you know, your, your interest in everything mindset and personal development as well from a very young age too, that would be helping with you being able to support them with those behaviours, I would imagine. Yes, definitely. And I think um, as soon as the children are old enough to have some understanding of it, there's a lot of teaching about that emotional regulation and perspective of things so that they can feel better. Mm. And so then that has birthed then another baby in terms of a, a, a business and a project that has come as a result of this line of you know of, of work and being well I call it work but I guess this yeah. <laughs> this life path that you're on which um is your business which is called little people big feelings so tell us a bit about that and the reason for that and and what that what that really offers yeah so um basically the children that I have looked after some of them one that I remember in particular, he was the first little child that I had. He was three years old and he'd never had a bedtime or a bed even before. So it would take him about four hours, three to four hours each night to go to sleep. And he was very hypervigilant, so very alert of his surroundings um, from being moved around and from things that had happened in his past. And to get him to sleep at the end of the day, after he'd been alert all day, he was just so hard and I can remember even taking him for long drives in the car just hours and hours and he would be so tired and he would just still not let himself fall to sleep he just was not feeling safe enough and comfortable enough in a new space to fall asleep yet and I thought what else can I do there's got to be something else that I can do without going down the medication road um something else that can be done and you know I'm singing songs I'm doing massages I'm reading books all the normal things obviously I had tried that first as well um and I eventually started using essential oils and developing um a balm that the children could put on themselves or that I could put on them and the essential oils um help in a physiological way in that it would just calm the children down a little bit enough that they could be calm to then enjoy the stories or the songs or the comfort and go to sleep. So that is where it started. And that made a huge difference on all the children that I looked after since then. Some children from foster care aren't comfortable with you touching them. So that's why I made it in a safe dosage for children or the um, essential oils are in a safe therapeutic dose so that the children can apply it themselves. It's no problem with that. And the ingredients that are used are, the safest for young skin as well Uh, and basically I just kept using it on the children trial and error on the story that I would tell them when they put it on as well so saying to them oh this is your sweet dreams balm and it's going to help you feel safe and help you go to sleep and tell a little story about the superhero that was on the packet Mm. and um, yeah just really empowered them to take control of their feelings and fall asleep nicely And then I started sharing it around with other mums when I heard them saying that they had trouble. And then before I knew it, everybody was asking me for them. And so I decided to put some proper packaging on and make it into a business and since have added another three balms to the range. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. And I love the, 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 like the pictures, the graphics. And I love, when I was looking at your website, there's one that's called Brave Balm and it's got this soldier on the back of a dragon, like holding up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, that's really cool because I think it's also really helping the next wave of children become more comfortable with expressing their feelings and knowing that they can control their state a lot more than what, you know, perhaps when we were growing up, we realised those things. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's beautiful that you've created this as a, as 
as you know, a byproduct of the experience that you've had. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's great that this has come out of it as well. So, so then where, like one question that I had is, so how do you, in, is foster care, do you get support financially from the government for that? Because you probably can't really work given that you're raising three mm-hmm. children full time, I would imagine. So yeah. that shift, I knew you were, you know, you're an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and you're, you've got, you know, you've always been working as long as I've known you. So what has that shifted then in the last few years? That's a good question and that's uh, one that I think a lot of people are curious about and maybe not comfortable to ask. Yeah. Um, so you do get a support payment for the child that is in your care. So yeah. per child you get a payment uh, and it is a payment for everything that they need. It's not a payment for your time or service. So being a foster care is a volunteer role. Yeah. So the payment is based on for say an eight-year-old, how much would it cost to feed and clothe them for the week, really? Yeah. Um, Then you will get a little bit extra for birthdays, Christmas. Uh, You get an education grant, which goes towards maybe the school term fees or things like that. So uh, it is, you get some support, but it is definitely a volunteer role. And I think you need to be aware of juggling your time and work and being a foster carer. It is something that initially you would probably need to be there with the children to settle and bond with them and every new child that has come into my care I haven't worked for a number of uh, weeks or months to make sure that they're settled before then we started childcare or kindy or school and then I put more effort into the work that I was doing Mm. Um, but in saying that there are foster carers who work full-time and the children go to childcare there's foster carers who are married single retired you can do foster care in so many different capacities and make it work to your lifestyle and there is a matching process so before you become a foster carer and have a child in your care you would have a um, agency worker help match a child to your lifestyle so if you were um, a full-time working business person really busy something like that they would not put a child into your care that needs to be at home and settled at home for a long amount of time, they maybe would um, match you with a child who's ready for childcare or school. Yeah, yeah. And so you're obviously, you know, very passionate about raising awareness about this. What are the statistics? Like how many, uh, do you know how many children there are that need foster care in Australia and where there's a gap? And, and what happens whilst they don't have foster care, I guess is my question, whilst they're waiting yeah. to be placed? Um, there is lots of children that still need foster carers. Like, you know, if we're talking in Australia, it's thousands. Um, there is absolutely not enough foster carers. And I think, um, personally, I think it's not advertised very well. Even the ads that I hear on the radio, I think they don't get across the capacities that are available to do this and the different ways that you can care for children. Mm. Um, and this, and how much support you have. It is my agency, particularly um, Anglicare, is really supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is still a huge, huge need, absolutely. And I think um, that's maybe something people are not aware of. And if those children don't go to foster carers, they will go into something called uh, commercial care, where they're in a house or a hotel room, and there's just different staff rostered on. So the children have no stability. Mm. And they have different staff coming through the door the whole time and they may not even be, you know, they're not in a home and they're sometimes with other children, sometimes with their siblings, sometimes separated. Yeah, and that that would be sort of traumatic in itself that time and not knowing what's happening, that uncertainty about the future, that would just be, yeah, it's it's really 
I'm really grateful for your time and for talking about this. And, you know, it's a little bit left of field of the interviews that I normally do, but then it's also really not because everything that I'm passionate about is really helping people find what help, what makes them feel most fulfilled. And people that listen to this podcast, they want to make a bigger difference. And a lot of people just haven't found that what it is. And for some people listening to this, this may be opening some ideas or planting some seeds or for anyone that's yeah. that you know is having trouble conceiving as well you know it's it is an option you know sometimes mm -hmm. the, the way that we think we need to do things it's actually it turns out completely different and sometimes that's that's the way that we're going to grow and evolve and learn the most rather than the normal the normal road that that society kind of programs us into thinking we have to do you know and i just love it because rather than being a mother to say one or two or three children yourself you've you've been a mother to over you know 10 you've been a mother to 14 children and that's just yeah that's incredible yeah. and, and i know people that have some foster carers have looked after hundreds of children and they have done it on you know six weekends a year they put their hand up to do respite and that's it and over time that's accumulated to hundreds of children that they've looked after yeah Oh, that's really amazing. Well, I just feel very inspired and very grateful for your time. And, you know, I'm, I love as well knowing, I guess, that you've got these three until they're 18 as well. And that just must be an incredible sort of um, real, like to know that you're, you're going to be such, you know, a part of their life for that long as well and, um, and really helping to make sure that they've got the best, you know, opportunity at life and, and supporting them through that. You know, if you weren't doing this, who knows what, where they'd be or what would be happening to them. And I just think it's, um, it's wonderful that they've got you taking care of them and, and also waving the flag and sharing your message. And thank you for being so open and honest about everything. So if, um, if people want to find out more, we're going to pop some links. I'm going to put the links for your business, Little People, Big Feelings, on the podcast link. Also, we'll put the link for Anglicare if people want to find out more information about that as well. And, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you know, I think, as I said, you know, this podcast is really about people who have relaunched their life. And, gosh, have you done that, you know? And <laughs> what a life change because when I met you, you were running a gym and, uh, you know, in – running a newspaper, a sort of um, article magazine as well. And so you, you've always been a busy woman, but now you've just sort of taken on, taken on even more. So I think, um, I think it's really wonderful. So, you know, is this where you thought you'd be at this point in your life? Is this where, where you... Um, I did. I probably always, I knew I would have children that weren't biologically mine. I knew that was going to happen at some stage, but um, being a single carer of three children I would have to say my hat is off to all mums any mums uh having children is by far the hardest job I have ever done even running two businesses at once children are harder <laughs> because they're 24 7 and they the amount of growth um as you know I've always been interested in personal growth and psychology and mindset and all of that and the amount of growth that comes from the selfless giving you give to children is amazing I don't think you could do a course that would teach you as much as children no no I I 100% agree and so you know I think um I I can imagine your life is just super busy and the the other thing I guess is that, like you said it's selfless giving but it's also everything that you're doing it's it's unrecognized in a way as well like mm. all the nights that you've been up with you yes. know, 
this or, you know, all of the times that you've sat and done homework together and you know, all of those things. Yes. Know, to just acknowledge that and appreciate that. And I think it's interesting too, when you learn more about psychology and mindset and you learn about the imprint period, those first zero to seven years of life where we're like a sponge and we just sort of take everything in unconsciously and we don't have our critical faculty or conscious mind really at that point. It's amazing that when you're an adult, you don't really remember much of those first seven years, mm. except usually the bad things, you know. <laughs> you know, as a parent, I often think, gosh, you know, all of the times that you've wiped their butt, all of the times that you've sat there patiently, you know, while they finish their dinner, they don't even remember that. <laughs> So it's so selfless, you know, and um, and sometimes I think for our own parents, we forget, gosh, you know, they, they did look after us for a really long time and, and now that we're adults, we sort of we don't even really remember any of that, do we? It's amazing. Yes, I have a completely different appreciation for my mum now, definitely. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. So what's happening at Christmas? Have you got anything special planned with the kids? What What's your Christmas like? Well, no, nothing too big because that's probably another side of foster care is that the if the children have come from a place where they weren't doing a lot of social outings or with a lot of people at once, uh, we need to keep things pretty low-key. So Christmas Day is just my family at my mum's house in the swimming pool and that will be it and probably the next day we'll rest and wind down. Lovely. Oh, well, it's absolutely beautiful to learn more about you and thank you for sharing so much of your journey with us. Is there anything else that you want to share to the listeners or anything else that you feel like we haven't covered that you think would be useful for people who are kind of at the point in their life where they know I want to make some changes, there's something bigger or different I want to do in the world, but I haven't yet maybe figured out what that is or I haven't got the courage to follow that maybe strange thing. Have you got any words of advice or any last messages for our listeners? Probably one thing is when I told people I wanted to be a foster carer and I was working, I had the two businesses at the time and everybody said, it'll be too hard. The children will have too many challenges. You don't make any money. It's hard to work with the Department of Child Protection. I heard all sorts of reasons of why I shouldn't do it from Mm -hmm. people who didn't know much about it also. (laughs) Um, And I did it anyway because I knew that it was something that it just felt right for me and I knew I can do it. And I also knew worst case scenario, I'll give it a go. And if it's not for me, I've tried it. And three years later, it's the best life-changing, most amazing thing I have ever done. I have, my heart is so full from the things I have done through foster care. And I always think back to if I had listened to those people who said, you know, don't do this, it'll be hard. I would have missed out on all of that. Exactly. And that is such good feedback to give our listeners, you know, don't listen to someone who has no idea. Ask someone who actually has the experience. So I think that's a perfect way to end. So thank you so much for your feedback and for sharing everything that you have today. And we're going to put lots of links in the show as well. And um, just have a beautiful afternoon. Thank you again and have a wonderful Christmas and happy new year. Thank you, Grace. Thank you. Cool. That's this week's episode from Relaunch My Life Radio, live from Australia. Visit us at relaunchmyliferadio.com for more. And remember, it's never too late to relaunch your life.